find what you really like doing and find a way to make money doing it. And it doesn't have to be the typical standard route that we're all taught in public schools and public education systems. Are you looking for true personal freedom? The freedom to design a life you truly desire? Then you're absolutely in the right place. True personal freedom comes from when you take 100% responsibility and control of your money and your mind. Here, you're going to learn ideas, tips, and wisdom that's going to help you bridge the gap from where you are now to your dream life in the future. My name is Randy Wilson, and welcome to the Rich Mind Podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Rich Mind Podcast. And today, I've got a super guest. Uh, actually, I just have recently been introduced to this this person just over the last, let's say, month, maybe six six weeks ago. A uh, real good friend of mine, Greg Young, and him are partners on a podcast that they are doing themselves called the All In Mindset Podcast that we will talk a little bit more about. But last week, maybe the week before, you guys interviewed me for your podcast, and that was a lot of fun. I mean, that conversation we had. The connection, right? I, I get along yeah. really well with Greg, but I felt like the connection between you and I, too, uh, was yeah. really cool. So I'm super excited about this conversation we're about to have with Justin Dorf. So a little bit about Justin. He is the founder of Max Effect. He has a YouTube channel. He produces a newsletter, and he uh, he's a, a coach. So he helps folks with uh, health and wellness. Fitness, right, is his biggest background. Uh, he loves helping folks with personal development, so the mindset. All of the things that we talk about and advocate here on the podcast, he is a big believer in. So he helps people just find overall success, right? Breaking through some minimum or uh, some uh, some beliefs, some belief systems, right, that are all holding us back. We're all going through them. Um, we, Yeah, so it's just a matter of, of understanding what they are, getting some perspectives from other people. And uh, Justin is doing all of that. So he's got, as I mentioned, he's a podcaster, uh, YouTuber. Him and his wife are traveling the Northeast. We were just talking about that up in New Hampshire, I think you said. Um, Correct. Yeah, we'll talk about that as far as where he's from, him, his wife, his dog, but super excited about the conversation. So Justin, <laughs> welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, Randy. And and I just want to re- reiterate, yeah, when, when we had you on our podcast, I literally, right after we stopped recording and we jumped off, I went to my wife and I was like, I really liked Randy. Oh, and the thing wow. is because we feel like, uh, I feel like we're kindred spirits because your vision, I think your overall vision for what you want to do is right in line with mine. So you listed off all the different things that I do, but they all are focused on one bigger vision of providing people with more freedom and more control in their own lives, whether that's physical health or personal development or mindset psychology, it's all aimed at how do we gain more control and freedom in our lives? hundred percent. I mean, I couldn't, I mean, I'm getting chills thinking about you just saying that right there, which yeah. was another reason. And I'll reiterate what you just said, right? I just knew this yeah. conversation is going to be like super fun, right? So it's all yeah. about control in my, in my opinion, right? Based on my experiences, it's all about control. So I talk about financial education, right? Taking control of people's money and their mind, right? Yeah. You talk more about the physical health and, yeah. and I'm into that as well. I can't say that I'm the, I'm the uh, poster child of the best <laughs> health in the whole wide world. But as I get older in my age, I'm obviously paying more attention to those things. And I can't wait to even dig a little bit deeper, maybe pull some nuggets out of you as far as what folks can do in their day-to-day activities that you talk about uh, needle movers, right? You really want to yes. focus on the things that are going to really move the needle mm-hmm. in terms of people's health and wellness. And without health, there's no wealth, right? There's no reason. Right. You, there's no reason to talk about the things I talk about, the the money and yeah. the, the mindset. If you don't have your health to go to back it up, so yeah, yeah it's going to be a lot of fun. So take a yeah. few minutes, just give everybody a little bit of a snapshot. Tell them a little bit about Justin. I kind of, like you said, I shared a few of the bullet points, but you know, maybe go a little bit yeah. deeper and let everybody know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so I can give you a big bird's eye view of it because I'm I'm 40 years old now. So I've got 40 years of stories and experiences to tell. Um, And this is probably something that we'll jump into. But big picture is this. When I was growing up uh, around the age of 15, I was first diagnosed with severe depression. And 
it was during that time that I got really into and interested in psychology because I wanted to figure out why was I broken? What was wrong with me? And I was still kind of in the the headspace, the mindset of part of the system, right? I needed to get good grades so I could get to a good college, so I could get to a good grad school, so I could get a good job. But it was all focused on psychology and a lot on biology and medicine because I had thought that medicine would be the fix for me. It was the solution to why I was depressed. Making a really long story short, ended up becoming a drug addict for the majority of my 20s. Now, during this time, I was still completely interested in pharmacology, biology, psychology, because again, I thought there was something wrong with me and I wanted to figure out what the problem was and fix myself. Um, Once I did come out of depression and addiction, kind of the realization that I had, and this was a process as well, um, was that it wasn't necessarily a biological issue. Like, yes, there are biological, you know, and chemical imbalances that occur when you're in drug addiction, when you're depressed, when you have anxiety. But what I learned from going through all of this is that they all stem back to how we're thinking. And as a result, how we're thinking, then how we're behaving. And again, so it all stemmed to it's like God never wastes anything. I, I felt like for a couple of years there, I was like, I can't believe I wasted my entire twenties. Like I went to grad school and I don't remember hardly anything from it, which isn't true. Um, all of that was brought into my current life now because everything that I learned by actually going through it experientially when it comes to thoughts and mindset and behavior, it's all applicable to what it is that I do today, which you touched upon. Um, Primarily what I do right now, it's funny because I, I do a bunch of, like I said, seemingly unrelated things, but they are all related. A lot of the coaching that I do is honestly, it's very much like counseling and therapy and getting people to think through different ways of thinking so that they then can change their behavior so that then they can produce the outcome results that they're looking for. Um, so that's why I say with with the health side of things, I oversimplify it because to me, it is very simple. It's like, these are the behaviors you need to do. If you do these behaviors, you'll get these results. But what's actually preventing you from doing the behaviors that you want to do? That's where the psychology and the thinking comes into it. 100%. So the way, so as you're speaking or as you're saying that in my mind is going, folks that I interact with, right? They focus on the having, right? They focus yeah. on the result versus on the focus on the be, right? The be right. you have, right? Focus on the be, and the part of the being is that thought process, right? The the psychological triggers. I'm not I'm not educated as far as from a, a university, but I'm just I'm self educated. I've I've yes. a lot of study, a lot of books, a lot of uh, I'm my own worst as far as you know a guinea pig of myself, right? I test new things. I actually just had an incident earlier this week where I got triggered again, but I'm getting better <laughs> at it. But, yes. You know what I mean? Because it's the process yep. of of the thinking about the trigger, which then yeah. impacts your doing, which is going to then impact your results. Which I mm-hmm. is that what I'm hearing you say? Oh, yeah. And one of the things that you said, I actually, you'll see it when it releases next week, because your episode on our podcast is releasing next week. Nice. And, and the thing that I extracted from it and put on the thumbnail on our podcast YouTube channel was the be, do, have. And then your cool. quote, where it says, nice. I think most people get this backwards, right? Mm. And again, that's why you and I connected so well. It's like, yes, I agree. A lot of people, maybe they don't get it backwards, but they at least approach it backwards. And I'm still guilty of doing this all the time as well because I'm action oriented. I'm like, okay, this is what I want to accomplish. What behaviors do I need to engage in? Rather than approaching it from the place of this is what I want to accomplish. Who do I need to become in order to be that person? And, you know, addiction, right? is such a huge topic that you bring it up and people have a lot of negative connotation, but it's also very powerful, right? Like it's my experience and I'm able to get in front of people and talk about it because I've lived it. That was the big difference between all of the relapses that I had up until the point when I finally did get sober and changed. The difference was this, when I kept relapsing, I viewed myself as an addict. 
So anytime that I had, like you're saying, a trigger, I acted like an addict would act when they're triggered. I don't feel comfortable. I don't like this situation. So what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go use again because that will numb me from the discomfort that I feel. It was only when I started approaching it's like, my goal every day is not to wake up and not use drugs. My goal every day is to operate from my identity and who it is that I am. And if I'm not an addict, like, who is it that I am? And how does that type of person act and behave? And then the behaviors come as a natural outflowing of who it is that you truly are. So the thoughts, the beliefs, the stories that we tell ourselves, right? The meaning we give things Mm -hmm. becomes our identity. And our identity impacts our actions and reactions out in life, which then is going to impact those results. I'm a work in progress, folks. So don't think that I've got all this figured out because I do not. But I'm 100% resonating exactly with what you're saying. It's it's a, for me, it's been a literally, it's day by day. So yeah. you, you've mentioned about being an addict, right? A, a, to medications. Mm-hmm. I mean, folks are addicted to food. They're addicted to even poor results. They're addicted to maybe toxic friendships. Uh, I mean, yeah. addiction can run a big, I mean, that's a big wide net. But the idea, though, is to become aware of those things, work on that mindset, work on those triggers, work on that uh, being to be able to try to get some different results uh, first. Right. And so that's it's I tell I said my wife, we talk about all the times I tell her it's the hardest work I've ever done in my entire life, but it's been the most rewarding. It is. Uh, Yeah, because you can see instant results and it impacts you. Right. So you get instant feedback for yourself. I mean, it impacts your your surroundings as well for your family. Uh, the ripple effect is is very wide, but it's fun because you start to see some results for yourself. And I assume you had the same same things happen for you, too. Yeah. When it's how you prevent yourself from getting in that place that so many people I speak to can resonate with. And it's not just physical health. It's literally everything. The, the number one thing I always hear that people want to change, they I just feel stuck. I just feel stuck, you know, but what does that mean to you? And if you're stuck, it's because you are stuck in the same habitual responses and patterns of behavior. You recognize you don't want to do them, but for some reason you keep doing them, right? Yeah. That's and we often try to, right. And we try to focus on, okay, I want to stop doing this behavior, but how many times has that backfired or led to no results whatsoever. It's like, so, I want to lose, I want to lose weight. I'm just going to stop eating junk food, but you find yourself the next day eating junk right, food. Again. Right back here, the chips and the junk food yeah. again. Right. So that's, so I just, so the, you're, you're firing off all kinds of things in my mind. So I just want to run this by right. Get your opinion mm-hmm. is that, so the idea in my mind, how I do it, right. Is I try to fast forward, like thinking about, so if you will just use health and, and fitness as the example, right. Cause that's obviously the something you help with every day with folks that, imagining yourself becoming or being that individual, right? So it's thinking through, okay, this person weighs and you put a number on it, doesn't really matter. This person can run a marathon, this person, whatever the result is, right? Thinking through that process and okay, if that's where I'm intending to to get to be, to go do, right? Who do I have to be that today, right? What is that person going to do right now in this moment? Because that's the only moment we have to, to, to to control is this one, right. not, not yeah. two minutes ago, not, you know what I mean? Not in the future, yeah. right? Right yeah. now. And if you stay there, right, stay present in that, you can then begin taking the step action steps to really get you to that uh, outcome that you're really looking for. Do you, have you ever experienced yeah. or try to think like that thought experiment is something I try to do for myself all the time. Is that anything something for yourself? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's, that's a good one. And too, we could take it, you know, with addiction. And what I was saying is, take it even deeper. And once you start to tie in your behaviors to your identity, it's this feedback loop. So the more that you behave that feeds into the identity that you want to be in the future, or even right now, you behave more consistently with that. It tells, sends this signal to your brain that says, oh, wait, I am this type of person because I'm behaving like this person. The more you tell yourself, I am this type of person, the more you naturally want to behave like that person does. So that's like at the deepest level, like that's how you change and ensure that it's long-term change and not just something that you're doing in the short term. 
And you'll have relapses. You mentioned that before, right? Sometimes mm-hmm. you will, especially in the beginning, you're you're trying to train your brain, train your even your normal habitual behavior, right? You're trying to get yourself to to act and do and be in a way that might not necessarily be comfortable right up front. But if you can stay consistent, uh, really have some faith in the outcome of where you're going, right? Start seeing some results. That's what I was talking about. That's the best part for me is that I start to see results and it's like, wow, that's super cool, right? This is working. Which, well, I should do more sort of, of it. it makes you want to keep doing it, right? Which yeah. is sometimes I think, you know, in our eat fast or do things fast society, right? We don't, you know, that instant gratification uh, kicks in and it yeah. keeps us from really achieving a better result in any form of our life, whether it's relationships, whether it's financially, whether it's in our health and, and fitness. Um, there's so many different parts of that, that that feeds off of each other for sure. Yeah. Yeah, that's super cool. Well, dude, th- yeah. Okay, we're just a few minutes into it. I knew this conversation <laughs> was... <laughs> It's like, yeah, that's super cool. So hopefully, folks, yeah, hopefully you're you're digging that so far. This is going to be a lot of fun. But let's dig into the three questions and, mm-hmm. and pull out some more wisdom out of, out of yourself because, uh, yeah, this is going to be great. So can you talk about who has been the biggest influence in your life? Okay, so this is actually, you know, before we jumped on, you asked, am I good with all of the questions? Like, I didn't tell you I have like a follow-up question to that. Okay, so is it who okay. is currently the biggest influence in my life or who has been the biggest influence in my life? The best part about the podcast, right, is I like to leave it up to you. It's 100% yeah. up to you. Because there's no right or there's no wrong. It's whatever you right. feel is going to be the best message, right, to share with the yeah. listeners. So uh, it can be and in dude, we got all day. So make it both. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, So that's, that's what I'd say. It's like for our, for your listeners, I think what would perhaps serve them the best is to realize that I go through seasons in my life, just like everybody else does. So who's the biggest influence in my life right now is different from who it was 10 years ago, right? So 10 years ago, when I was coming out of drug addiction, the biggest influence in my life was actually a pastor who almost like unofficially adopted me. And I lived with him and his family for two and a half years when I was first getting sober. And that was a huge influence on me because when it comes to changing our behaviors, especially something that's so deeply ingrained as addiction, drug addiction, changing your environment is a massive way to change your behavior. So that 10 years ago was one of the biggest influences in my life. Um, currently where I'm at, I'd say one of the biggest influences in my life is my wife. So I just got married three and a half years ago. And yeah, thank you. It's just, it's so cool to see how God has brought somebody into my life who thinks where I want to be able to think, but does it naturally. So like, I always go to my wife, Tracy, with these big ideas that I have. And I don't know how to conceptualize them and make them into, you know, operational systems and processes. And that's how she's wired. She's like, oh, yeah, do this, 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 this. Like, hmm, that would have taken three <laughs> years to figure out, you know. Yeah, but, that's but it's, cool. uh, it, it's also really cool to see how Tracy's just kind of naturally wired in a more entrepreneurial mind set sense, um, where she's just like, if you want to do something, you can find a path to do it. Whereas I was brought up, like I kind of alluded to earlier, was like, this is the system. This is the process you follow. Go to school, get a good job. And then eventually you can buy a nice house and have a family and you'll retire at 65. Um, but from the get-go, Tracy's the one who's behind me. It's like anytime I start to question or self-doubt myself, she's like, shut up, do this. <laughs> That is super cool. I, and yeah. so once again, as I mentioned, right, we're just getting to know each other. And congratulations on that, because that support staff, right, or, or however you mm-hmm. want to look at it, that support system that you've got is super crucial uh, yeah. to keep moving forward. Because as you're going through this journey, right, you're going to have this the bumps and bruises and life itself is going to keep kicking you down every now and then. And to have that support, that's that's super cool. Congratulations. You said three yeah. and a half years? Three and a half. Yep. How long have you been together? Uh, we dated for. A little over a year before okay, we got so almost five total. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Good for you, man. Yeah. I, and I have not met her yet. Tracy, you said? I look forward to yep. meeting Tracy. 
Yeah, I actually mentioned that to her last week. So, you know, we're traveling the country now. We just embarked on that about three weeks ago. And yeah, we may be swinging through Indiana Come in December. By. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. it. The state isn't real big, but at the same time, yep. yeah, we, yeah, you tell me when you're coming through, man. It can even be in Ohio, Illinois, Kentucky, something like that, even if it's close. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely hook up, take you guys to dinner cool. or something like that. That'd be awesome. Love Enough it. about us talking about our personal tough stuff there. Yeah. As far as, yeah, let's get together for dinner. No, that's super cool. Yeah. That'd be awesome. So you've already alluded to the challenges you've had with some addiction and mm -hmm. things, but that kind of leads into yeah. this. I don't know if this will be the answer to the second question, but I, I just would assume that it might be a, maybe a piggyback off of that. But what's been the biggest and greatest challenge of your life and what have you learned from that? Yeah, I mean, it'd be kind of strange if I didn't say the biggest challenge in my life was depression and drug addiction mm -hmm. and kind of the change in identity. I was thinking about this earlier this week, though, I was out to dinner with some hospital CEOs. And one of the CEOs asked me a very intriguing question. He asked me if I was proud of the fact that I had escaped or come or overcome addiction. And, and it caused me to like pause and reflect because, you know, oftentimes we put a negative connotation on the word pride, proud. And how I kind of framed it to him was like, it's not that I'm proud of it, right? It's, um, I definitely wouldn't want to go back and do it again. I, I wouldn't wish it sure. upon anybody else, but I don't regret having gone through it um, because what I've found, and this will sound a little cliche, but it's 100% true, is that that was the biggest struggle up until this current point in my life that I've been through, but it shaped who I am. You know, and I'd be lying if I said, like, anytime I have a day that's really busy or really challenging or stressful, it's really easy for me, like, yeah, but this isn't as bad as being in rehab going through heroin withdrawal. So I can get through this, you know, sure. um, it's all relative. Yeah. But what I've what I've learned by coming out of drug addiction and the identity change that I've gone through has been so profound that it's opened up my mind and my thoughts to really the idea that you and I have been kind of talking about this whole time is you can accomplish whatever it is that you set your mind to accomplishing. And I know that firsthand from experience because I go against all odds, right? Like in, in all likelihood, I should be dead or still addicted to heroin, right? But I'm not. That's awesome. Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. So that Thanks. that pivot, right? At some point, whenever that moment was for you where you started to pull yourself out of that. So like a hole is kind of the word that's kind of come to my mind, right? That that deep spot that you're in, right? That challenge to be able to pull yourself out, get yourself surrounded with the right people. You mentioned about the pastor, right? All the mm -hmm. self-reflection, all the work that it's taken yeah. mentally. Not even just the physical part, but and I'm sure there was physical too, but the mental mm -hmm. part, I can only imagine how difficult that was to pull yourself out from how long ago has it been that you would say that you've been clean or sober at this point? It's it's about nine years now, wow. ten years. Congratulations. Yeah. 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 So I just I can't imagine uh the point or or the amount of effort that it took from a mindset part, right? Yeah. Which is kind of what we're alluding to with the beginning part of this conversation and even the, the work that you do out there in the world today, mm -hmm. how important that part of it is. Well, and it's an ongoing thing too. And I think this might benefit uh, the listeners to know, especially nowadays, because I've yet to meet anyone who doesn't know somebody, usually within their family, you know, if it's extended or immediate, who struggles with some type of addiction, you know, whether it's drugs or food, like you mentioned, or pornography. But it's an ongoing process. And it goes back to what you and I were talking about on our podcast is it really does come down to self-awareness is I'm aware of what my potential triggers, let's use the word triggers because you did already, yeah. could be. So it's not that like I'm worried or I'm stressed out that I might relapse one day or go back to the person that I used to be, the further I get away from it, the less I actually am concerned with that. But that doesn't mean I'm ignorant of the fact that those things are probably still hardwired into my body. And I'm aware of those things. So I don't intentionally put myself in situations. Perfect example. 
uh, four years ago now, I ripped my Achilles tendon in half. I was playing soccer. Like I thought I was still 20 years old and (laughs) (laughs) ripped it right in half. And the first thing I said when I went in to see the surgeon or the doctor and he said that I needed surgery, he said, you definitely ripped it in half because he grabbed my calf and the ankle wouldn't even flex. And the first thing I said is like, can we do it without narcotics? Right? It's not because I'm necessarily worried that I'm going to go back down that road. I just don't want to test it. Yeah, there's no reason if you can avoid right. it, right? Right. And, and these are the conversations that I have with the individuals that I coach all of the time is like, oftentimes we're looking for these magical solutions, right? Or these systems, like this is the system. If you follow this, this, and this, then you'll lose 40 pounds in three months, right? Yes, you can follow this system and lose the weight, but why not use every resource available to you? If this is that important to you, why wouldn't you not set your environment up for you to succeed? Why would you test your willpower by keeping junk food in the house? It's in my mind, it's like, because I've gone through addiction, these are just common sense concepts. Like use every available resource that you can to ensure that you get the outcome that you want. That's gold right there. And I can't wait to dig in a little bit deeper with that, right? In terms of health and fitness and trying to help some folks out there that might be listening and saying, okay, I get it, but okay, now what? And we'll get to the now what here, folks, here in just a few right. minutes. But let's top off the with the last question. You've alluded back to being in your 20s and how you've kind of went through this struggle. All the wisdom and knowledge you've acquired now, right? Up through these experiences, up until you're being 40, with your super supportive wife and this, you know, this lifestyle that you've created for yourself. If you could go back to that young man that was depressed and not necessarily sure of, of life, right? Stuck in a system that may or may not have been serving you. Is there a nugget of wisdom that you just wish that you know now, you're certain of it now that you wish you would have known back in that, that time frame, that 20 time frame? Is there anything like that for yourself? Yeah, in middle school, it would have been to listen to the dare teacher when he said, don't do drugs. No, I'm just, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, um, no, you, you, you pretty you much <laughs> yeah, dare. Everybody knows. Everybody <laughs> our age knows what dare is. Um, no, because even if I had have traveled back to the past and told my past self, don't do drugs, I still would have done it because I'm, I'm an idiot at times. I have to learn things <laughs> through experience. Sure. Um No, you hit the nail on the head. What it would really be, I've thought an awful lot about this, like what actually caused my depression. And again, I think it stems back to the thinking and the beliefs that I had. And a big contributor, certainly it probably wasn't the sole contributor, but a big contributor to my original depression, which then led to my seeking out escape by using drugs, um, was... I didn't have a clear purpose or passion for what it was that I was doing. Because again, in my mind, my purpose, my reason for living was what other people were telling me, go to school, get good grades, get into a good college, get good grades, get into a good grad school or med school, get a good job. Maybe you can buy a nice house, have a family. It all seemed so pointless to me because there was no meaning behind it. And I'm not saying that for any anybody who's listening to this, like you want to become a doctor. If that's your passion, that's great. Pursue it. I'm saying I was pursuing this because it was what I thought was the answer to my lack of happiness. So if I could go back and talk to, honestly, my high school self, not even my 20-year-old self, It's what I said about Tracy, like find what you really like doing and find a way to make money doing it. And it doesn't have to be the typical standard route that we're all taught in public schools and public education systems. Nowadays, I've completely flip-flopped. So I've got like eight years of post high school education, right? Like undergraduate school, graduate school. And you'd think that I'd be this huge advocate for going to college and grad school because I spent all this money doing it myself. I've completely flip-flopped. The way that I view it now is like, if the career that you want to pursue requires a degree, then by all means, go to college. But if you don't need a degree to do what it is that you want to do, spend your time and attention and, and money on other things. So let's go a little deeper on that. I love that, right? That 
speaks to exactly how I am as well. I was raised I wasn't great in school, so I never did the school thing. I went to college for a little while, but dropped out relatively quickly because I was just bad at it. I'm not, <laughs> as I even mentioned at the beginning, right? I don't like to read things. I'm just not, I don't read real well. So it's not that mm-hmm. I'm dumb and I know that, but in the in the academic world, technically I am. <laughs> right. <laughs> what I was, what I was from, a, from a GPA standpoint. So I used to beat myself up all the time because I wasn't smart, Okay. Right. The, I, the smart people, I was, I just couldn't fit into that club. And when I realized that and it was just an, almost like an epiphany. So this is the, this is almost like a, a statement question for you. So I just wanted you to go a little bit deeper on that because I think that'll be super valuable for my listeners, because that's what I talk about a lot is that there are so yeah. many different ways these days to make money yeah. mm-hmm. uh, that it doesn't require this specialized like you said, if if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a certain specific thing, I understand that. But beyond that, I think a lot of the uncertainty in the in today's world, um, the even if it is depression or just lack mm-hmm. of confidence or just being stuck. I think you used the word stuck. Did you not? Yeah. A few little while ago. Yeah. I love mm-hmm. that because a lot of the folks I talk to are stuck as well. My question or my point is that in your experiences. What is it when you had that epiphany for yourself? Was there, did you seek out wisdom from other folks? Did you look online? I mean, the internet is relatively relatively new in the world today, right? Yeah. I think yeah. we've all kind of gotten accustomed to it being around. But when I was growing up, there was no such thing. Um, is there any resource or is there any, uh, a person, uh, anything, right, that you can think of that the person's like, yeah, you know what? I don't quite fit into this narrative of, Go to school, get the job, the white picket fence and the retirement at 65, which if that's what they want, fantastic. But if if, if you're the one listening and that's not you, what say you, Justin? What do you have an opinion on as far as like where to lead folks with that kind of thought? I do. And I have so many interesting thoughts going on. So you might have to rein me back in here. I told you, (laughs) let's run, man, because that's that's, 100%. Yeah, please do. I think the the first. Yeah, the first thought that popped into my head is uh, just something that I've been thinking about over the last couple of years, really, is I believe that one of the traits that God has put into human beings that not only separates us from the rest of the animals, but just makes us human beings, is that all of us are creative. Like we have this desire to create something and be creative. And of course, that's where the kind of niches can be found. Like maybe your creativity is in diagnosing. We keep going back to doctors because it's a very good example. Like maybe maybe your creativity shines in diagnosing people. Maybe your creativity shines when you're figuring out our legal system and being a lawyer. But nowadays, the way the climate is changing is it's moving towards this. And a lot of people don't even, they aren't even aware of this thing. But there's a whole economy that people refer to as the creator economy. And this has opened up a whole new world for a lot of people because up until about, I don't know, 15, maybe 20 years ago, although it's really taking off now, we were stuck in the industrial revolution economy where we're going to mass produce a bunch of stuff. So what do we need to do this? We need people that almost work kind of like robots to do the same work over and over. So if what I'm saying to you right now resonates, and I'm imagining it probably does, if you haven't heard this before, um, then it's resonating, but you've probably heard it before if you've been following Randy for a while. What I would suggest is yes, now in our current environment, there's so many resources. It's almost almost like we have the opposite promise. Like how do I funnel and focus my attention onto the right ones? And I don't have the answer to that because yeah, the I answer know. to it is the same answer that you've likely heard Randy tell you guys multiple times is that it's part of your journey and it's part of your process. What I would say is like start following people. If somebody really resonates with you and what they're saying, then follow them. This is how I do it because there are so many people to follow nowadays. I find two tops three people at a time. And I listen to and I consume their content until it becomes a part of my 
inner dialogue. And once I know what that person's going to say before they even say it, then it's an indication to me, okay, I'm ready to move on to another person and replace that person. That sounds terrible. I don't mean replace that person, but you can't focus. Your focus can't be so scattered that you don't have any direction. So that's how I kind of control my focus is three people at a time. Once I know what they're going to say, it means I'm, I've absorbed and kind of incorporated what they're teaching into my own beliefs. And it's time for me to expand even further. 100%. I do the same thing. I actually just have gone through maybe over the last six months of, uh, like you said, a removal. Well, I mean, I kind of, it might sound a little bit harsh, but yeah, you just said, once you get it, once you internalize their beliefs, their systems into your own dialogue and, and take what you need, right? Discard the rest. Right. You just need to find the next voice yeah. of your journey, right? Wherever you're going to go, all of the, uh, you know, it's like we were talking about earlier and the in this discussion with the mindset. And I'm always trying to find that next person that's going to help me get to that next level. So that two to three people at a time speaking yeah. on a, a specific message that then I can internalize and then start to put action involved, right? So you're becoming, yeah. you start then the doing, and then you start seeing results. And yeah. then, so then when those results start to come, it's like, okay, wow, this is working, right? And then you just rinse and repeat. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. That was That was super good. Super good. Yeah. So folks that are, so it's going a little bit deeper into what you help people with as far as the mm -hmm. health and the fitness, right? So we've talked about the mindset. We've talked about overcoming some challenges and all those good stuff. We've talked about if people want to uh, learn a specific topic, right? As far as going into uh, making money outside of the traditional W2 world, right? Mm -hmm. So you help folks specifically in terms of having that right mindset, but then applying it to the health and wellness space. You have your own YouTube channel. You, As we mentioned, you're a podcaster. You're mm -hmm. just a wealth of knowledge, obviously, right? So can you go into a little bit more detail as far as like helping folks maybe see and learn a bit more about what you provide uh, in terms of the services with the uh, health and wellness for yourself? Yeah, so my biggest passion most recently in the last couple of years when it comes to the health and wellness side of it is exposing those mainstream and false and limiting beliefs that are keeping people stuck in the grind. And so I could go on for hours on this. Like if anybody's interested, go to my YouTube channel because this is the brunt of the content that I, that I produce there. If we could distill it down, right? What is the big problem that a lot of people are facing? Outcome, if we're looking at just the outcome, it's that they want to lose weight, right? That's just the outcome. Usually, if you dig a little deeper, it's because, you know, they want to have more energy. They just want to feel better. They want to be more productive. They want their spouse to look at them like they did 20 years ago. But the outcome is that they want to lose weight. And everybody knows. They think they know what you need to do in order to lose weight, right? Like if I asked you, Randy, you want to lose 20 pounds, what should you do? Like, what's your answer going to be? Well, you're really going to put me on the spot, aren't you? I'm going to I put you to, on the spot. I need to eat less and move more. That's right. That's probably a generic <laughs> answer, right? I don't know if that's correct right. or not, but that's what everybody's been fed. Yeah, that that is what we're told. And that's what we've been told since about 19, late 1950s, 1960. and yet. For the last 60 years, 95% of people who do that gain the weight back, right? Because that's an oversimplification of what the actual problem is. Like, yes, we can dive deeper and be like, it sounds very simple, just eat less, move more, but why don't people do it long term? And there's multiple reasons why, if it's just behavior, personality, but really what I like to expose and open people's minds up to seeing is that it's not about the calories per se. And it goes really deep too. like the marketing of big food companies and processed foods, they double down on calories in versus calories out. Because if the quality of food doesn't matter, if all that matters is the quantity that you're eating, then they can continue to sell their products because you just need to exhibit personal responsibility over how much of their products you're eating. But the obesity epidemic 
tracks right along with the increased consumption of processed foods. And the reason it does is because processed foods are not digested by your body the same way that real foods are. Yeah, they have more calories in them. They have less nutrition, which messes with the hormones that affect your hunger and how full you feel. And honestly, how your energy is and how you store body fat, right? It really comes down to how do foods impact our hormones? And everybody else wants us to focus on how many calories you're eating, how much food you're eating. Um, but that doesn't treat the underlying problem. I'm all about treating the underlying problem. Otherwise, you're just treating the symptoms, right? If you just tell me, don't use drugs today, that's just the behavior that's going to treat the symptoms. When the underlying problem for why I'm using drugs is, as we alluded to earlier, was I don't have a sense of purpose or a passion in life. So why not solve that and let the rest of it take care of itself? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So you, I just wanted to try to maybe go a little bit deeper, right? So it's mm -hmm. one of those things that you, you're at, your wealth of knowledge is very high. So I just want to try to take it a little bit, you know, a little bit shallower, maybe as far yeah. as you said, whole foods. Can you give us a breakdown? I mean, I think we understand the word processed and that kind of thing, but is there anything specific like, because uh, like you said, you go to the grocery store and everything's pronounced as being, this is healthy, this isn't healthy. Healthy, yeah. Does that make sense yeah. what I'm saying? It's like, mm -hmm. can you give us it a little does. bit more texture as far as like what what exactly we should be looking for? Yeah, and that's that's actually kind of where some of my passions collide is the psychology of marketing to me is fascinating. But at the same time, the more I learn about it, the more angry it makes me because food companies use marketing to make you buy more of their products. It's not to improve your health. It's so that they can make more money. And sure. so now you see this um, explosion of healthy foods. Like here's your keto bread and your gluten-free cookies. And like, it's still processed foods. So we want to make it very, very simple processed foods are anything that doesn't look like it did when it first started. So an unprocessed chicken, for example, still looks like a chicken, just minus the feathers, typically minus the skin, right? So you're saying but the chicken, chicken, nuggets, nugget, the chicken nuggets are not... <laughs> doesn't, especially the dinosaur-shaped ones, man. Those yeah. don't even resemble chicken. The ones that look like French fries. You're telling me those aren't real? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, so that's the most simplistic um, explanation is, does it look like what it started as? The more it looks like what it started as, the less processed it is. So, for and example, the chicken example, so a chicken breast or or a thigh or something like that, that or even a leg quarter or something like that, as long as it's mm -hmm. in its somewhat original form, obviously, right? Correct. It's not being, it's, yeah. Is that what I'm hearing, basically? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, another another real simple example would be like if you take oats. Right. So steel cut oats look like what they came out of the ground looking like rolled okay. oats are the steel cut oats. They're the regular oats, but just pressed out. So they still resemble oats a little bit. Okay. Now, next step up, you've got, uh, let's say, granola bars. You can still see the rolled oats in there, but it doesn't look like oats by themselves anymore because now they're you know, held together by canola oil and sugar, um, and then an oatmeal cookie. I can't even see an oat in an oatmeal cookie. Are you so, sure? I sure. I think I taste them. You're I'm so, pretty sure. Pretty sure oatmeal it's not in cookies there. or oats. I mean, that, that and see, let's, but it go back to the marketing. It's gotta be. Go back to the marketing. So, like Cheerios is made from oat flour, and they'll stick a little label on there that says "heart healthy." Heart healthy, yeah. Heart healthy. No bunch of crap. Bunch of bunch crap. Of crap. <laughs> I get it. Okay. Yeah. So, so where do you start? Right. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. um, as I mentioned, I'm not, I, I pay attention. I'm not going to say I don't do any, but at the same time, I'm not the best at it. Right. I'm not going to sit here and say, Oh, I'm the champion of health. Right. But I need to get better. And I know that. Yeah. So what is, are there any basic, you, you started with some basics there, but are there like ingredients to look for? I mean, you mentioned about something being almost like in its raw form. Or yeah. original form, maybe that's more of the right word to use. Is there yeah. any, because, well, is there anything else that you can think of as far as like what to look for? Because uh, it, it can be daunting, right? Right? Walking into a store yeah, and it's like, where do I even begin? 
Yeah, I mean, if you want to really optimize everything, what you want to do is just focus on reducing your consumption of processed foods. And so most processed foods are going to be those shelf-stable, boxed, canned, frozen products that are a result of the Industrial Revolution and, you know, providing food to everybody. Now, that is very difficult to do. Like I'd be lying if I say, look, guys, it's really simple. Just stop eating processed foods. For most people, that means completely revamping your diet. Yeah. The thing that you that I think the listeners would really benefit from understanding is I I, I didn't go this deep into it because I didn't know how deep you wanted to go into it. And I struggle yeah. with this because there's a lot to understand when it comes to nutrition. But if you really want to understand what the underlying, if we can simplify it, the underlying root cause of obesity is, is I mentioned hormones, right? So there's nothing in your body that is a calorie meter. It doesn't say, oh, I just received 200 calories in my stomach. Let's use those 200 calories for this. Your body runs based on hormones. Hormones are kind of at the underlying level. They dictate everything that happens in your body from fat storage to your metabolism to are you hungry right now? Do you feel full right now? It's all hormones that are controlling this. And if we're talking about body fat and obesity, the number one hormone that I think people should be concerned with is insulin, right? If insulin is elevated, insulin's primarily responsible for storing energy, those calories that you're eating, as fuel for later. And it'll do that by storing it as body fat, which, by the way, if you don't believe me, is why the number one side effect of when somebody who has type 2 diabetes goes on to insulin treatment, they gain a bunch of weight. Because if insulin is elevated, it takes calories, it stores it as body fat. So that's the underlying cause you should be focused on. So how do you then reverse that and right. keep insulin levels low? And there's two major needle movers for that, right? It's what you eat and it's when you eat. So if you eat less foods that spike insulin, that'll keep insulin lower when you do eat. If you eat less often, because most food will trigger, trigger insulin to some degree, if you're not eating, insulin goes down, your body switches into ketosis, pulls out stored body fat, and burns that for fuel. So the one that we already alluded to is processed foods are notoriously bad for spiking insulin because, let's be honest, most of them have a lot of added sugar to them, right? Processed carbohydrates will spike insulin the most, sugar by far, probably the greatest. That's really tough to do. So we can focus instead more on when we're eating. And this is where the whole fad hyped intermittent fasting comes into play. Mm -hmm. When you fast, your insulin levels are kept low because you're not putting any food into your body. Insulin's not triggered. And that's how you get into ketosis without following a ketogenic diet, which is really hard to follow anyway. So did I, did I overwhelm you with no, information? Well not, okay. well, not me. I mean, I'm doing great, okay. right? So like I said, I'm, I'm, a, I'm not a professional at it, but I've studied enough. I'm, I'm following along just fine. So the question okay. that I would have then is, so a trainer of mine in the past, let me just throw this out there as, as a question. Maybe you can just obviously agree or disagree and it, you know, just get your opinion. But it's like you talk about sugars, right? Or sugar being like the number one insulin producer within the body. He argued, because I love fruit, right? Yeah. I love, mm -hmm. well, do you have a, an opinion? on? He was arguing that that sugar from fruit is just as bad than then obviously processed sugar. Do you have an opinion yeah. on that at all? Because that was obviously something I, do. I struggled with. <laughs> I, I do have um, an opinion, which is also backed on research. And <laughs> how deep do you want me to go? My, my opinion is people love finding things to villainize and focus on, right? And if sugar's bad, then all sugar is bad. What you're missing from this is that when you eat fruit, fruit has a lot of fiber in it. It has a lot of real nutrition and nutrients in it too. There's no way, maybe this is my opinion, but I, I've read a lot and, and know enough that it's not just opinion. There's no way you can argue that eating an apple is the same as eating a Snickers bar, right? Just logically, that makes sense. Yeah, I'm with yeah. you. 
I will throw in that caveat though, is if you have insulin resistance or if you're a type two diabetic, you don't want to be eating a ton of fruit because any sugar is going to trigger the insulin. But the signal and the magnitude of that signal, that insulin response is going to be reduced when you're eating something like fruit that has fiber in it versus drinking a soda, which has no fiber and no nutrition whatsoever. Right. Just pure sugar, more or less, right? Just a totally different aspect, reaction within your body. You know what I just remembered though? My wife and I, we were watching, um, have you ever seen Nate Bargatze? He's a he's a comedian. I really like him. He's funny. Check him out. Okay. Nate um, Bargatze. Okay. Bargatze. He said it in a bit. Um, somebody was telling him, don't eat too much fruit. You'll get fat. And he said it perfectly. He's like, show me the person that you know who got fat from eating pineapple. And then maybe I'll change my point of view or my mind on it. Well, so you're, I mean, you're speaking my language because I, yeah. I said, I can eat fruit all day long. But it was like, Do said, it. He, was a, he was a great friend of mine. Right. And I, it's, I'm not discounting him as a as a person or what he was trying to help me with. Right. But same mm-hmm. thing that just didn't that didn't resonate with me, that story, because it's yeah. like, wow, I like what you're talking about. Things that in the raw form, basically, or, or they're or mm-hmm. they're closest to where they're being produced. And I mean, you've always been fruits and vegetables and that kind of thing. And I just love I'm a sweet tooth. That's my problem. I love chocolate. I'm yeah. a chocolate. Same. I have. OK, so just sweet sugar. <laughs> yep. Yeah, it's bad. So what I'm saying, yeah. I'm not, I'm not perfect at it by any means, but so if, but you've put a, a bowl of fruit in front of me and I can devour yeah. that thing like crazy too. And so the, yeah. the conflict I was having is, okay, is this bad too? And I appreciate you saying what you've said so far, because yeah. that helps me at least in my own mind, think that that's not a bad thing. Yeah. And I know you'll take this and run with it. And I'm telling you this because I want you to, what I would do is I would test it. And I, I'm saying this from experience. So last year, uh, my wife and I did uh, 75 hard, if you've ever heard of 75 hard and, and the, the diet that we chose, cause I wanted to choose something that was going to be challenging for me. Cause I've literally tried like every diet in the last 12 years. Um, we did paleo, which is essentially just real foods, just whole foods. And so after dinner, we would get our sweet tooth and I would eat fruit i would literally cut a watermelon in half and eat it eat the whole thing <laughs> well this is this is why i say challenge yourself okay. and try it give yourself the freedom to eat as much fruit as you want what you're going to find is that after the initial kind of peak up where it's like i can eat as much as i want watch me eat it all you'll you get to the point where your body starts working the way that it's supposed to and you'll stop eating because you don't actually want to eat it anymore you sit me in front of a, a tub of ice cream, I'll eat the whole thing whole because thing. my body's never going to signal to my brain that I'm done eating. So is that the fiber part of it that is within the fruit that kicks in? Is that, and then it, there again, I'm not a scientist by any means, but that's kind of what I heard you say earlier. I'm just assuming that that might be part of it. It's a combination of all of the things that I've kind of mentioned already, the fiber, the hormones, the, and all how the it nutrition, your body. Yeah. it's the fiber and how the nutrition affects your body, which signals the hormones, which signal your brain. You don't need to eat anymore. You're not actually hungry. Okay. When I started kind of building out how I coach people and what I, what I wanted for them, it was what I wanted for myself when I lost 43 pounds after I came out of drug addiction. So I was overweight when I came out of drug addiction. And all I wanted is, this is how I word it, is that people would ask me, why are you trying to lose weight? What, do, what are you trying to do? And it's like, I just want to feel in control. I want to eat when I'm hungry. And if I'm not hungry, I don't want to feel the compulsion that I need to eat. And if you eat real food, and give it time, you do it persistently and consistently, your body will start to do that. You won't eat when you're not hungry anymore. When you do eat, you don't have to worry about overeating because your body will signal to you when to stop eating. And that is, to me, ultimate control. So we talked earlier about the problem with a lot of times in our society, right? We want that instant gratification. Do you have, from experience from yourself and then from your clients as well, do you have a even if it's a window of time of, you know, if say someone started this weekend and, and started to implement some of these things, is there like a window of time where people can start seeing some results? Is it is it pretty quick or does it take a little while? Immediately. Is yeah. it immediately? It depends. It depends on how aggressive and how quickly you want the results. So when I lost 43 pounds, I did it in about two and a half months. Now, wow. 
Yeah. So you can lose the weight really quickly. So like most of the guys that I coach, they lose between 30 to 45 pounds in three months. Okay. Caveat is, is that it's not a once and done. You don't lose 45 pounds and then revert back to your previous habits because you've solved your problem once and for all. It didn't take you three months to get 45 pounds overweight. It's not going to take you three months to solve your problem forever, right? So the immediate results, they can come as quickly as you want, depending on how hard you want to work and how aggressive you want to be. But then you have to sustain it. It's just like, and this is why I love, you know, entrepreneurship and business as well is because Physical health is kind of like the practice ground for everything else in your life. You know, you can get results really quickly, but then when you get to that next level, it's a whole new set of skills to learn to maintain that next level. 100%. 100%. Well, one of those skills, and, and one last thing I want to just touch base with you, and, and it's something I try to implement in my life, and I think you're an advocate of, is that intermittent, intermittent mm-hmm. fasting yep. as part of the uh, the arsenal, I guess, maybe to combat some of these uh, health issues. Can you talk a little bit about, in your experience, as far as what are the best practices? I mean, if, if somebody can uh, maybe even just start, <clears throat> excuse me, maybe even just start there yeah. um, with that thought process. Is there anything that you can leave folks with as far as that that topic? Yeah. Yeah. Intermittent fasting is like my personal secret weapon because you mentioned it. You love chocolate. That's my go-to chocolate, ice cream, cheesecake, right? If you told me I could never eat them again, (laughs) this is how we usually approach weight loss. Be like, okay, I see these are my problems. I eat too many cheeseburgers and I eat too many French fries and I eat too much ice cream. So I want to lose weight. Mm, I'm going to eat zero of these foods. And what happens then is like, all I think about is I can't eat any of this food until I lose weight. And then when I do lose the weight, right, or I get close to whatever goal it is, like, now I'm going to eat all of this again, right? Intermittent fasting for me is the tool that I manipulate to allow myself more freedom with what I'm eating. So I'd be lying if I said I'm a, you know, health and weight loss and nutrition coach and I only eat real foods. That would be a lie because I, I mean, I don't even know. You know, you can do it. You can do it in today's society, but it's very difficult to do. You literally have to eat every meal at home and you're shopping only on the outside rim of the grocery stores like everybody tells you to do, which if that works for you, fine. It doesn't work for me because I like to eat good food. (laughs) Like I like to go out to eat. And the way that I maintain my body weight and have for years now is I adjust the dial of intermittent fasting, of when I'm eating. Okay. So, and and it's it's just, it's just logical. It just makes sense. If you, let's say it is all about calories, right? Let's say you're supposed to only eat 2000 calories per day. And today I eat 4000 calories. Well, if I eat zero calories tomorrow, guess what? It evens out. It's all balanced out. Where people come up against intermittent fasting is food companies have marketed against it because they don't make money if you're not eating all of the time. So that's where all of these nonsensical things come up where it's like you need to eat every couple of hours or your metabolism is going to be damaged. Or yeah, if you don't eat for a couple of days, you're going to gain a bunch of body fat the moment you eat. Everything you eat is going to be stored as body fat. It's like I'm sitting living proof that that's not the case. Like I typically don't eat breakfast on most days unless I'm going out to eat with people for breakfast. Then I eat breakfast. And it's become so intuitive for me because I've been doing it for so long because it's a skill. That's why I get people to see that fasting is just a skill, just like anything else, that you eventually arrive to the place where it's just normal and natural and you don't have to think about it. And again, going back to the control and what my ultimate goal was is I want to be healthy. I want to maintain a healthy body weight without having to think about it all of the time, prep my meals and how many calories should I eat today? And I ate too much yesterday. Should I not eat as much today? It's like you just figure it out as you go through the process. But I didn't answer your question. (laughs) No. So let me just tag onto that, right? That's fantastic. That was definitely a part of the question. So then it's, so when you think of the time frame, right? So it's, it's not that you're not... So it's it's the window of time you're giving yourself from 
meals, right? Whether it's breakfast, Correct. whether it's lunch, whether it's dinner, right? So maybe mm-hmm. you just go into the parameters. I try to do this for myself. And that's, I, I almost did it, do it by accident. I, I'm not a breakfast eater. So I can go from dinner until noon, one o'clock the following day yep. without eating. But I've always, that was just kind of my lifestyle. I don't think I really focused yep. on it. Um, but I can tell the difference when I don't do it. So anyways, I'll let you kind of give it a little bit more detail, but I just know that it's like, it's the time frame from when you your last meal to the following day's next meal is kind of where that falls into, and then the benefits of that as well. Yeah, well, and so I'll pitch it back to you since you're essentially doing a sixteen and eight intermittent fasting protocol. You've got a sixteen hour fast and an eight hour eating window, which is typically for most people what's going to work is eat lunch and eat dinner. That falls within eight hours. You're fasting sixteen hours from after dinner until your first meal the next day. Have you been maintaining your weight? Has your weight been going up or down? Well, I've been, I will say that over the last few months, I've struggled with it. And I don't know. Yeah, we would probably have to get offline and I could probably give you some more of the details. (laughs) I don't want to bore bore the folks who are listening today. But I will tell you that when my old life, I was a retail, right? In retail. Mm -hmm. And I was moving constantly. I was always lifting and moving, right? But then I also did the fasting along with that. So my, Mm -hmm. throughout my early, late 30s, early 40s, I never had an issue with weight ever. I was right. like a, a 170, 180, like, like clockwork. Since I've gone on to this entrepreneurial journey and I'm not as active as I used to be and I'm sitting in my chair yeah. talking to you instead of out doing some things physically, yes, I have definitely put on more weight than I would like to have. But I will say yeah. that the fasting has definitely been like, uh, it's almost like a dial, right? I can yeah. use that to to correct some things in my life. Um, yeah. Definitely. And I can definitely see those differences for sure. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I always say the two major needle movers for fat loss are what you eat and when you eat. Notice I didn't say how much you eat and I didn't say exercise because exercise is not a major needle mover for fat loss. So if you're got like a 16 and 8 intermittent fasting protocol for the when you eat and you want to lose weight more quickly, then you have to dial up how strict you're eating, the what you eat. If you want more freedom with what you eat, then dial up when you eat. So longer fasting periods. And the only thing I want to mention here, and then we can jump off of it because I could go for hours on fasting, is if you want to lose weight, you have to be more aggressive than what it's going to look like to maintain your new body weight. So 16 and 8 intermittent fasting for most people, once your body kind of resets its weight, is a good place to maintain. But 16 and 8 will only get you a little bit of the way to your ultimate goal if you're, say, 20 plus more pounds overweight. 16 and 8 might help you lose 5, maybe 10 pounds. But if you want to get lower than that, you're going to have to dial up the what you or the when you eat. We'll have that conversation because that's kind of where I'm at yeah. at this point, right? I, need, yeah. I probably have about 20 I need to get off, to be honest with you. I want to get back down to that 185, 190 is kind of my, in my mind where I need to be. Yeah. And I'm a little bit over 200, which is I'm right at six foot, which that's just yeah. a little bit too much for me that I need to get yeah. that dialed in. So we'll definitely have a conversation after this for sure. Yeah, I would, I would for love sure. to pick your brain if you'd be willing to do that. Absolutely. So, so the folks are out there, like you said, we could go on. I knew this conversation was going to be a lot of fun. We could go on and on and on like all day, yeah. right? So, uh, yeah. and we'll do that. I said, I've got to pick your brain about how I can even help that for myself. But the folks that are out there listening, they're like, all right, this Justin guy, he's he's got it figured out, right? He's doing some things for himself. He's doing things for his clients. Uh, I need to pick his brain a little bit more, uh, even about the podcast. We didn't even talk about the All In, all in Mindset podcast that you're producing with, right. with Greg, our friend Greg. Um can you give a little a bit of, about where where can people find a little bit more about you? Where can they go uh, learn some of the things you're teaching and, and get in contact with you? What's the best place? Yeah, best place if you want more information surrounding the marketing and the mindset and the nutrition is on YouTube. And that's just my name, Justin Dorff, D-O-R-F-F. If you want to shoot me a message, find me on Facebook same name. I don't change my names across platforms. <laughs> so find me on Facebook. That's the primary platform that I'm on. And then, yeah, with the, with the podcast, that's more geared around personal development and mindset. We do touch upon physical health every once in a while, but that's more pretty much anything in terms of getting better and developing yourself in entrepreneurship. That is all dash in mindset. All dash in 
Mindset Podcast. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. definitely reach out to Justin. Uh, as I mentioned at the very beginning, he and I have just recently recently got to know each other, right? Through a mutual mm-hmm. friend of Greg, which is his uh, partner with his podcast. And as you can tell, if you, and if you can't tell, I'll just tell you, I mean, we just, just the conversations, they're just so much fun, right? I could sit here all day and just keep picking his brain. Uh, I love talking about the mindset. You know, I, at the same time, I, I don't wish the the hardships that he's had in the past, but all of those things have, have shaped him to who he is today and the wisdom that he has to share. So my point is folks, you need to get a hold of Justin. Justin's the guy. And I look forward to continuing our relationship, learning more. Hopefully he'll get, come through Indiana here. We'll get to take him to dinner. I'll get to meet this awesome wife of his. And uh, right. yeah, we'll see where this relationship goes. Hopefully we'll uh, have you back on the show if you'd be interested at some point too. Absolutely. Awesome. Well, folks, go out there and make it a great day. Focus on the mindset. It's the be, do, have. It's not have, do, be. We talked about that and touched that at the very beginning of, the, of this episode. Uh, focus on who you are becoming. Who are you being, uh, which will then impact your doing, your activities, which is going to impact your outcome. If you focus on that, that's been my experience, right? And that's kind of the, the story that we that Justin has shared with us as well, is that when we get into our own mind, control, right? Control of those uh, functions. It was. It's like you're talking about the consumption of food and how that controls our mind, which then is going to control our actions. Focus on being, focus on the be, and you will then uh, start producing the results that you're looking for. So go out there, make it a great day. Thanks for joining us on this episode. I look forward to bringing you the next uh, awesome guest here in the near future. Appreciate the support and we will talk to you all very soon. Thanks now. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining me on the Rich Mind Podcast. I hope you found a ton of value in this episode. If so, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And you can also share it with your family and friends. And as my mentor, Jim Roden, shared with me, in order to have more, you must first become more. And in order to become more, you must work harder on yourself than you do on your job. So go out there today and work harder on yourself to become more and build the life of your dreams. Until next time, my friends. 